All right, welcome to the Cup of Joel podcast. I'm Joel Delgado, your host, along with two partners this week. We got David Barrios. Just I, I just saw him around. We work at the same office we used to, and he's just around. So, David, welcome aboard. Yeah, it was a light day at uh, work, and I dropped in, and uh, Joel's pretty cool, and I like talking sports. Is it every day light day for you at work? <sighs> Don't tell my boss that. I realize I'm an essential. And also we have Jackson Wallach, that third voice you just heard. He's... Uh, also uh, part of the FIUSM, FIU Student Media Sports Staff. Jackson, how are you doing today? Doing great. Sweet, great. sweet. So we're going to get right into the action. A lot to talk about. It's been a crazy week in sports. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the one thing on everyone's mind, everyone's talking about it, it's Lynn's sanity. Jeremy Lynn, the New York Knicks, he, they have been on Lynn a tear. Satiable. Lynn Satiable. Lynn Satiable. I mean, you can, you can have so many plays on words with this kid's name. It's not even funny. But, uh, I mean, this kid has been phenomenal. But obviously against the Heat on Thursday night, uh, too much. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade seem to put a stop to insanity, at least temporarily. Uh, I mean, right now it looks like Jeremy Lin could be a long-term solution for the Knicks. He could be the guy that could provide that spark for that team. They were looking for something. Their chemistry was falling apart. They were terrible, uh, especially before Carmelo and, and Amari Sotomayor were unavailable for a little while. And then all of a sudden this kid out of, comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and they go 9 for 11. Unbelievable. Incredible. It's incredible performance on his half. Uh, I'm not sure that Lynn can prove to, has proved to be a long-term solution, however, and I guess that's what we're going to talk about in a couple seconds. You know, that's, uh, you know, depends. I mean, the thing about Lynn, I'm sorry, I was doing that for a transitional uh, part. I thought uh, Joe was going to keep going. Uh, but uh, in terms of this, uh, Lynn has produced in the last month, created more talk about him than any other player in the NBA right now. You imagine you imagine for the first time the topic is no longer about South Beach. Well, not really South Beach. It's actually downtown Miami. Uh, the shift has gone from one of the most controversial teams in the NBA, the Miami Heat, and it's gone to somebody that was left out in the cold in Harvard. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty great story. Uh, Jackson? I mean, now you said that you don't think he's a long-term solution. Just, just why, why would you think that? Because we have only seen him come off the bench in the last month. We really don't know how long he can keep this pace up. Uh, he's had some setbacks last night being one of them. Then again, mm-hmm. we can also say last night's setback could be because, I mean, he's facing probably the best team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. At, in one of their best streaks so I far. Think he, exactly. I think the Miami Heat are probably the hottest team in the NBA. I mean, they've been playing lights out, dominating everybody. I don't think there's any team in the NBA right now that can really stop this team. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder, they, they're they playing great. I think, I think right now, if you're talking about a potential finals matchup, you got to talk Miami versus Oklahoma City. Those two have to be the favorites. Yeah. But that's another discussion for another day, obviously. But, I mean, this Jeremy Lin thing is really baffling a lot of people. I mean, how could no one see this kid coming out of nowhere? He came out of Harvard. He played pretty well. But then he was cut by Houston. Yeah. And he was cut by Golden State. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he ends up with the Knicks. And I don't think they even saw his potential until they had to put him in because of all the injuries and this rigorous schedule. But players, but there have been there have been players on that team that had seen his potential. I mean, it's been noted that Carmelo Anthony had uh, had seen that from a mile away, and mm. you know they developed quite a close relationship uh, during the off season and going up to the, you know beginning of the regular season. And so, I'm sure certain people saw that that was coming. It's uh, 
the Lin thing, the thing that I find the most frightening is just uh, a company like Nike investing all this money in uh, in him, having him as a spokesperson. Well, not as a spokesperson, but rather using him as an advertising tool. Uh, I mean, he's he's hot right now. It was just, it's just, there's talk about him being an elite player, and we're talking about the, the elite players. We're talking the Blake Griffins, the LeBron James of the world. I haven't seen that yet. I can't. I can't think that he's a long-term goal. I can't think he's a long-term answer because he hasn't proved it. Yeah, I would have. To. Let's take a look at the numbers here. I yeah. mean, he's averaging 14.4 points per game, mm. 5.8 assists per game, uh, you know, two rebounds per game. But I mean, this is these are significant stats for a player of this nature. I mean, he's. I mean, he scored 39 points the other night. Yeah. I mean, I don't care who you're playing against. That's good. I mean, then again, the Heat. They went on Lynn like I haven't seen the Heat go on anyone before. I mean, they were on a mission to stop Jeremy Lynn. That was like their one goal last night was to stop this kid from doing what he had to do. And by golly, they, they succeeded. The Heat I like absolutely... That one, by golly. Ab- good. There you go. I mean, you can always count on me for that. But let me tell you, I mean, they stopped him. But then again, can't other teams pull that off on a consistent basis? I don't think so. Not every team has... LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade to stop a guy like Jeremy Lin. And then again, we saw how everyone was focusing in and zeroing in on on uh, Jeremy Lin. You had Carmelo Anthony have a pretty solid night. You had Amari Stoudemire also have a pretty good night. So, and in the end, it wasn't you know it wasn't a blowout by any means. The Knicks sort of hung in there for a while, which is something that you couldn't say the Knicks could do early on this season. So obviously, the Knicks are a better team with Jeremy Lin. So I don't think we've seen the end of Lynn's sanity. I think it's going to continue to to the uh, you know to the discharge of a whole bunch of other people that probably are sick and tired of it, especially after uh, Tebow mania, yeah. where people are tired of this mm. one person sensation. And I think you're starting to see some resentment towards Jeremy Lynn, which is interesting because now you have people saying, "Oh, I mean, this guy hasn't done anything yet, and that was small sample sizes and all this kind of stuff," but. It's still a good story. It's no. just a come out of nowhere story. Well, the, the small sample size. I mean, just to just to keep on going on with that. He's in the Rising Stars game tonight. He's only played like how many games? Like maybe ten to fifteen games this season, and he's in a, a Rising Stars All Star game tonight. I I mean that's I think pushing it a little a little much. Like I'm not gonna put stock into. Oh, he had 38 against the Lakers. That was amazing, right? Yeah. But then I'm not gonna put stock into where he got shut down by the Heat either. Though, though that doesn't really, you know, one game sample sizes like that don't really affect me that much. Yeah, Jeremy. I want to see what he does the entire season. Yeah, he started in eleven games so far this season. He's played in twenty one games so far. So I mean, it, it's very small sample size. Yeah. Understandable, but from what we've seen, I mean, this is not you know football where it's like one game one week. I mean, this is consistently over a, a span of a few days. It's very hard to imagine. And looking at him play, he has a great initial burst speed. I mean, he's a guy with great agility. He's not the fastest guy on the floor, but he's a guy that will make plays. And he's also very good at passing the ball, which is very important for a point guard. You know his problem is turnovers, though. That's true. And again, a lot of young players deal with that. Remember, remember that Jeremy Lin is in his second year of play. Yeah. So he's going to make mistakes. And he's getting all this hype, though. Well, well also, I mean, if you're looking at all other members that are, or rather, other uh, members that are going to be in the uh, the um, Rising Star. Uh, game tonight. Look at Norris Cole. I mean, Norris Cole the other night went for 20 points. He has had a very good season. Spe- I mean, especially coming from the circumstances in which he's risen onto the Heat roster. But at the end of the day, the amount of time that he he has on that ball, he just he he can be one of the Heat's you know better assets. But he's not 
he's he also has a lot of problems, and that's just something that you pick up with time and game. I that but that's why I'm reserved on Jeremy Lin. And back to Tebow mania for a second. The thing about Lin and the thing about Tebow is that the, the T- Tebow mania and Lin, they're great stories. They really are. Uh, they appeal to that whole American nature of wanting to see an underdog rise and uh, and make it because that's what that that is. We are in ourselves an underdog nation. That's why we've. That's how we've. That's how you sit in a classroom and they tell you how you know this country was founded. You're gonna hear the tale of a bunch of people that were left out from England and taken advantage of, and you know no taxation without representation. Of course, that's not the podcast I discuss this on. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, uh, as opposed to Lynn and Tebow, Tebow was a fairly mediocre player when it came down to the numbers, save for a couple of great games and, you know, you could see him have 300 passing yards and, you know, he's, uh, you could see him having, you know, a pretty great run game of his own, which what which is what made him a threat during his first, you know, four to five weeks that he was starting, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, you have to look at Lynn and realize that Lynn's coming to the game with something. I don't know if he'll be great, but I know he'll be good. I know that he'll probably remain this consistent. And with a season this insane, with this many back-to-back games, this much travel on the road for so many teams, he's been able to maintain his pace so far. So you have to you have to commend him for that. Do right. you say a uh, season this insane or linsane? Oh, oh, <laughs> Jackson. Linsane. It's linsanity, guys. Oh. Lin-s- it's going to be part of the vocabulary, like Tebowing is part of the vocabulary. I guarantee now, you. L- l- let guarantee me ask you it. something. Is is he now? I don't know if you heard uh, Floyd Mayweather's comments. Oh, uh, ridiculous, ridiculous. Because let me tell you. I mean, you can look and say, okay, yeah, he's in the Asian American part is a factor. Mm-hmm. If in case you guys don't remember what mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather said, it's like he's getting all this attention because. He's an Asian American, mm-hmm. and you know, if uh, an African American player was doing it, then I mean, people wouldn't notice. Mm-hmm. Which is not it's false because I mean, no one has sort of seen. I mean, this is a unique situation here. There's a whole bunch of different factors. Yeah. There's the faith factor. There's the Harvard factor. The New York factor. The New York media factor. Yeah. The uh, I mean, it's almost like the stars aligned for this kid to yeah. just sort of like blow up as a media story. But to say it's because he's not black is is preposterous to me there's an element of truth but very like a minuscule part of it i think it more has to do with him being in new york i think if he was in um Memphis toronto or something yeah toronto n- n- yeah, i mean like some random city well, well with the difference the difference between what what city he's in is also i mean new york had two pieces i mean you you got mellow and you got armari and you're expecting them to to gel with each other and they really didn't for the first part of this season and what what I think the hopes are that you can ha- they want their own big three. That is really what the Knicks organization has wanted and needed for the last decade and a half. They've become irrelevant. Uh, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, do we have that uh, clip from, uh, what was it, the uh, New York Knicks, welcome to the... Another decade of irrelevance. Dan Levitard's famous rant when the Heat got LeBron James. Yeah, that's... <laughs> well, that was a funny clip, but uh, well, we're going to move on from Jeremy Lin, though. This is a gr- we're probably going to be talking about it in the weeks to come. It's probably not over, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's over just because the Heat just found a way to stop him because I don't think a lot of teams can do what the Heat can do. So, And this is still a team that's getting used to the idea of having Jeremy Lin, Carmelo Anthony, and Amara Stoudemire on the same court at the same time. So moving on, we're going to move on to Peyton Manning. 
that's another. Now Miami's going insane for Peyton Manning, trying to put up billboards and websites, trying to say, Peyton, forget Indianapolis, forget the dome, forget the cold Indiana weather, and just come over to South Beach and play for us here in Miami. It'll be good. Sh- it'll be good for. Uh, it'll be good for your shoulder. It'll be good for your neck. It'll be good. Yeah. For, yeah. Come on down. I mean, that's. Uh, so I mean, Peyton Manning is going to have a lot of people looking after, looking out to try and. Like take him over. I think Rex Ryan came out and said not too long ago he would be open to the idea of having Peyton Manning. We've seen, uh, especially after Sanchez last season. Yeah, especially had, after they've had to go Sanchez. through Brett Favre before. I mean, Washington Redskins are yeah. also looking to possibly lure Peyton Manning in. And then you have Brock Heward in Seattle, the former quarterback for the Seahawks, uh, now an ESPN analyst uh, for a radio station over there, uh, saying, "Hey, this is why you should come to Seattle." So I mean, you got everyone trying to say part of this Peyton Manning sweepstakes, which is, I think, inevitable. I think he's done in Indianapolis, no matter what Jim Irsay and the Colts brass say. I think he's Mm -hmm. done. I think Andrew Luck is the future of Indianapolis, and I think they're going to move forward with that. I don't think they want a sort of Brett Favre situation where he sort of hangs around for too long and then it's a disgraceful goodbye. I think it's going to be disgraceful at this point either way. So I think Peyton Manning is going to move on. The question is, should it be Miami? Well, I wouldn't wouldn't say that Peyton Manning sticking around would be disgraceful. I, I mean... As opposed to the far, no, it would end up in disgrace. I think. I think Manning's career. I think this is. He's thirty-five years old. He's gone through three or four major surgeries in the last year. He's beat up. I don't. We don't know whether he'll be able to form, perform next season. And that's. I mean, honestly, he might as well just move into the Elway spot, take a job with the organization, and stick mm-hmm. around. That's. That's. Retire with some dignity. It, I th- I think at this point though he's gonna play. He wants to play. He wants to play another year. So he's going somewhere. Yeah. Whether it's still in Indianapolis or not is up to the organization. He'll sell tickets. He'll sell tickets. That's the thing. But is he a long-term solution? I believe today in the newspaper uh, you're talking about a team that's looking for a long-term solution at quarterback. Is Peyton Manning that answer? Jackson? No, no, he's not. I mean, like uh, Barrio said, he's 35 years old. I give him, you know, five years at the most. Yeah. That, that's being very kind. Yeah. That he's not going to last that long. What What I would do if I was the Dolphins is I would go after Matt Flynn. I'm in I total would, total agreement. I would go after Matt Flynn because you have the the new coach who who knows him very well, and you have no other options, unfortunately, if you're the Dolphins. Yeah. That's just how it is right now. There's no other options besides Matt Flynn and Peyton Manning because you're not getting anyone good in the draft. Yeah. I guess we all agree on that. I think Matt Flynn is obviously your best option. You have a guy in uh, Greg Philbin, or Joe Philbin, excuse me, Joe Philbin, who's actually worked with this kid for four years. Matt Flynn is a guy who is ready to take charge of an NFL team. Whether he's going to be a legit starter in the NFL after the small sample sizes that we saw, uh, that one <laughs> career game that he had against Detroit last year when he set nearly every single game record in the book for Green Bay, is that going to be indicative of his, of his of his future career? I don't know, but it's 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 enticing. Yeah. It's so enticing, and you got to take a chance and, on it. And you got to you got to understand. I mean, he's been behind great talent. I mean, I mean, Philbin for one, who uh, whose offensive co- uh, coordination was stupendous, stupendous. I mean, even if he wasn't making the calls, you know, even though that's Mike McCarthy's team, at the end of the day, you know, Philbin had gelled with. Well, who is, I mean, he is the best quarterback in the game. I I cannot, you know, we're talking, of course, about Aaron Rodgers. And the fact that Flynn has had time to, to, to see Aaron Rodgers at his best also. And I, I mean, you're talking about the league MVP. 
how, how can you not how can you not think about that and say to yourself my god Matt Flynn could be the person that we need and he's hungry he's got to be hungry standing behind behind somebody for so long that's obviously going to be the franchise quarterback for the next five to ten years because I mean Aaron Rodgers is still uh, still an unexplored pro- uh, prospect in many ways we still don't know how far he can go but do you think even then that the Dolphins would be the front runner for Matt Flynn? I mean, it's been very quiet. People are sort of waiting at this out. And Matt Flynn, I mean, I think the Dolphins would logist- you know, logically be the, the best team for him. Well, yeah, I think he would be the front runner of the Dolphins because, I mean, that's that's his coach, right? That's his offensive coordinator right now. Now he's a head coach. That's got to be the first team that Matt Flynn would want to go to is Miami. I don't know how much uh, money Miami has to spend to, to get him, but I'm sure they have enough that they would be able to get him. Yeah. I mean, let's take a look at this. I mean, Matt Flynn, he's 26 years old. That's right. nine years younger than Peyton Manning is. His, uh, I mean, he only played in one game, really, but his, I mean, 500, 518 yards in that, in, in very limited action and six touchdown passes. I guess Detroit. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are pretty insane numbers there. I mean, it's pretty crazy. He did play sporadically in other games. I mean, he played a little bit, but I mean, he only played that one game when he had that huge, that huge game. But I mean, I think Matt Flynn has got to be the guy you look for. I agree. But also, there's a third option for the Dolphins too. I mean, and I don't think this is the probably least likely scenario. But the Dolphins could maybe try and trade up and maybe try and get Robert Griffin Jr. the third, or Robert Griffin Jr. the third, and also maybe even, I mean, if the Colts decide maybe to keep Manning and trade away, or not trade away, but maybe draft someone else, or maybe they see Robert Griffin Jr., maybe get Andrew Luck. I mean, that's, again, mm-hmm. probably very distant. I know, Jackson, you're grimacing. You're like, that's not going to happen. I, I, I agree with you. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen, but well, would you do it? I mean, because would you have I, a agree, I agree with, I don't think Andrew Luck's out of the question, but I think Robert Griffin III would be, could still be an option. Just who would you get rid on the, of on the Dolphins in order to do that? I mean, not even that. It's just there's so many, there's so many things that have to happen. In order for that to for that scenario to play out, the other team has to agree to it. First, yeah, you know? they, first they have to agree to it, and we'd be at their beck and call. I think I think the Dolphins have to make a move for Matt Flynn. They have to make a move for a franchise quarterback. Uh, I like Flynn again because he's young, and honestly, that's the type of team the Dolphins need to become. They need to be a young team. They need to build something. They've been a, they've been slowly growing in irrelevance for the last for the last three or four seasons. And especially with the big splash that the Marlins have made, yeah. the big splash that the Heat have made, heck, even the Panthers, who are still they're, still dogging yeah, for first they're, place. They're the eighth seed right now. Yeah, but. I mean, still dogging for first place <laughs> in the region. I mean, you have to, you you have to, re- they have to realize that they don't want to be left out in the cold. I mean, they have a loyal fan base, but loyal fan bases can only last so long when your team just keeps puttering out. They had a, they had, they had hopes last season, but. This season is a very important season for the Dolphins in general. Just in terms of being contenders, they haven't had that for so long. Yeah, that's very true. And again, I mean, Peyton Manning's going to have so many suitors. I don't think there's going to be that many suitors for Matt Flint. Or at least, I mean, you have the in angle on Flint already with your head coach being, yeah. you know, the offensive coordinator of Green Bay and obviously having a repertoire with him. Yeah. But you have at least five teams that are going to be going yeah. after Peyton Manning, including oh. the Kansas City Chiefs, who apparently are also interested. And uh, they've already talked twice, apparently, between uh, Manning's agent and the Chiefs. So, yeah. Well, it, here's another way that Matt, uh, Matt Flynn can go, though. He could go the same way that Kevin Cobb did, 
where, you know, everyone got excited about him and the Cardinals ended up getting him, and he really didn't do much in Arizona this year. So that could be another, you know, Matt Flynn could just end up being like that. It's what what do the Dolphin fan base want the most, and I'm pretty sure what they want the most is Peyton Manning. And it's not about what the fan base wants, though. you got to do what's best for the future of your team. I mean, right now this team doesn't need another stopgap. We've had the Trent Greens, the Dante Culpeppers, the Chad Penningtons. Enough is enough. we got to find a long-term solution for this team. And the best chance you have that of that is Robert Griffin III and uh, Matt Flynn. Yeah, I'm ag- I'm agreed on Flynn. This, th- I mean, look, fan bases like names, big names, sell money. Peyton Manning, maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, would sell tickets. It's true, people would be interested, but I I think a lot of the fan base fails to realize the the circumstances in which Peyton Manning is even coming here, and that it's terribly important. And I mean, you're going to get damaged goods. You don't want that. I think these owners are too much on the entertainment side than they are, you know, the actual sports side. We saw what they did this year with the Dolphins. They changed their their song. They did all these crazy entertainment-type things, and they they really didn't care too much about the team. Yeah. If the team's losing whatever, we're more about the entertainment part of it. They had uh, Gator Day when Tebow came. And all these things, I think they're more on the entertainment side, what giving the fans what they want. So I think they're going to really push for Peyton Manning. We already see billboards up around Miami pushing for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you raise a good point. But the thing about Flynn and why he's a smarter option, and the other thing when it comes down to sports and business, Flynn won't command the type of price that Peyton Manning will have. Peyton Manning's price will probably go down a bit just in terms of the circumstances that he's coming here with the surgeries and whatnot, and the fact that he is somewhat of a risk. But at the end of the day, Matt Flynn is still unproven. He still can't command that much. And I think the Dolphins, a very cost-conscious team themselves, would probably do best to pick up on a Matt Flynn. Who It's it's the perfect fit. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for a change, not just a stop. Again, not a stopgap, but a new new hope. All right, guys. So now we're moving on to topic number three. Spring training is officially begun. And now, I mean, baseball season is right around the corner. I'm excited. I love baseball season. I love just seeing pitchers and hitters, you know, go back to camp and start getting ready for the new season. And there's obviously a whole new atmosphere for the Miami Marlins. Ozzie Guillen, the new manager for the Fish. You got guys like Carl Zambrano entering the pitching staff along with Mark Burley. You got uh, Jose Reyes now on the team at shortstop. Hanley Ramirez moving to third base. Uh, there are a lot of things to look for on this team. The question is, some of those guys that I just mentioned have some serious character flaws and some serious character issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering myself whether, no matter how talented this team seems to be on paper, whether they can all put it together, especially with a guy like Ozzie Guillen as head coach who is arguably himself someone who has uh, a sort of like very loose canon approach to coaching the game. Well, I, we were talking about this earlier uh, before the podcast, and I had mentioned that, honestly, this team, for some reason, was giving me little flashbacks to controversial teams like like the 77 Yankees, for instance, teams where the managers and the, and the players were larger than life. Uh, Guillen and Hanley Ramirez are going to butt heads so many times this season. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine... 
and even if Hanley is making that move to third, I can imagine what's going to be going on in spring training. There is going to be, first off, I mean, he's going to have to change his method of play. That's always a big move between, uh, you know, changing positions. Uh, and I think the star of this team will be Reyes in many regards. I think. Yeah, I think, I think. I mean, you mentioned uh, Ozzy and Hanley will butt heads. I think Zambrano and Hanley well, butt heads. When Zambrano's on that mound and Hanley makes an error at third base, which you know it's going to happen, they're going to be mad at each other. Zambrano's going to be mad at Hanley, and it's just not going to be a good thing. I think that they're going to butt heads too. You know, there's going to be a lot of butting heads. Yeah, I think there's going to be probably some kind of clubhouse off, you know, altercation, we'll call it, before June or before July. It's yeah. definitely, you know, it's going to get hot. It's going to get, like, you know, is this going to get heated, I think, in that in that uh, dugout? Uh, Ozzy Guillen is going to jail for a night after punching <laughs> Hanley Ramirez. Mark my words. That's a bold statement, my friend. Is well, that going to happen this season you know, or this, is it going to happen season, year two? This season. <laughs> well, you know what I hear a lot, though, is the argument that baseball is really an individual-type sport and, you know, it's not going to affect it that much. I think that's wrong. I think that if you have, you know, all that happening in the clubhouse, it's going to affect each and every player on the team. I mean, yeah, think about it. You're playing with with the same guys for about, you know, April through September. That's a long season, 162 games. You'll barely get a day off. Mm. I mean, you're playing nearly every single day with these guys. So obviously, you know, your characters are going to, you know, sort of clash with each other. It's not going to be one of those like, oh, I mean, we'll just do our own thing and be done with it. I don't think it's that simple. These guys see each other every day. They're going to have to somehow find a way to coexist with each other. And I don't know if Carlos Zambrano, who this is his last chance, really, in the in the pros, especially after his fallout with the Cubs, mm-hmm. he was just miserable with them, and he just really, you know, tanked as far as you know leaving there and just you know on bad terms, really. And they wanted to just give a, you know get rid of him at any cost. It'll be interesting to see whether this team can actually put it together. And if they do put it together, I think this is a potential World Ch- Series champion contender. But unless they do. I don't know. And, again, the NL East is so stacked yeah. with pitching, it's going to be hard to see, especially with Jackson's yeah. Phillies over here with Cole Hamels and and, all, and uh, just this amazing staff. Yeah. I mean, the the entire the entire National League East has now be, become probably the most formidable division in the NL easily. Yeah, you just got to take the Mets out of the equation. Yeah, you take it. But, I mean, this is going to be a bloodbath. What's going to happen this season, it's – it's, it's, it's going to be great baseball. This is this is going to be. I think it's going to be. This could be a great season. Right, so let's go around here. Is this Marlins sort of system going to work, Jax? I think it is going to work. And I'm I'm a Phillies fan saying this. I think you have great talent on your team. I think there will be a lot of problems during the season, but I think it'll all work out. The talent will equal it out. And I think you guys, you're not going to win the division. I think the Phillies will still win the division, but I think it'll get wild card. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna go with Jackson on this one. Although I think there is a potential to win the division. Uh, look, we got to get out there. You got to see what type, what things happen. Uh, injuries, roster replacements, uh, moving people up from the minors. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that can happen, in a in a season that lasts almost half a year. Uh, I think they have the potential to go to the playoffs. I think they will go to the playoffs. And remember, the two times that the Marlins did go to the play, uh, did go to the World Series, they were wild card. They were the wild card, and I think that they can pull it off again. They can. They have the one thing that they're missing. The one thing they're missing is a true power hitter, and that's the one thing that I thought that the Marlins failed in getting 
during the offseason, especially in December during the uh, talks, and I always thought that a Prince Fielder would have basically solidified and made this team one of the most formidable in the majors. Well, I mean, this is it's going to be interesting to see whether this team could work. Um, I think I have to see it in order to find out. I don't think it's going to – at this point, I don't think it's going to work. I think this might have a better chance of becoming the New York Mets in the mid-2000s rather than the New York Yankees in the late 1990s. I mean, this is – this, there are a lot of characters on this team that could cause problems, and it's like a time bomb was waiting to explode, and right. I think it's going to explode, and whether they keep it together afterwards or not is going to be very important, but we'll see. And as far as the power hitter is concerned, it, it could happen, but the Marlins do have some guys who could emerge as serious power. I mean, Mike Stanton. Yeah, Mike yeah, Stanton is going to be a major threat in this league, and he probably is going to be a home run champion before his career is over. That's the first guy that I thought of when you said no power. I said, well, they do have Mike Stanton. Yeah, but Stanton, Stanton's still unproven. And, again, a guy like Fielder, you look at, and you just this, that's what he does. He knocks things out of the park. That's his business. That's his job. He, he makes it look beautiful. Remember, mm-hmm. and Marlins were going after uh, Pujols too. Yeah, yeah, but Pujols, Pujols again. You've got age, which we don't even know how old he really is. I, 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 <laughs> I I'm sorry. That you got a lot of you got a lot of things with Pujols, and uh, I mean, for a ten-year contract like is what you, what he was looking for, ridiculous. You can't invest that type of numbers into somebody. It's going to be in his early forties by the time he gets out there. Yeah, that's a risk. It's, it was a risk, and again, I think. What Pujols was looking for was definitely to leave a legacy. Yeah. He wants to be a part of a team that's going to have him. It's going to be beyond the 10 years. He wants to think about the future as well. And I think they've already offered him a, a part in the organization, it's kind of like what happened with Nolan Ryan with Texas. Mm-hmm. So, And that's how Nolan Ryan will be remembered He's as a Texas Ranger and as an owner with the Texas Rangers. And I think Pujols wants something similar to that to happen in his career. That's yeah. why he chose it. Uh, Anaheim or Los Angeles. Yeah, and he's going to be a DH in Anaheim once he, you know, won't be fielding. He's going to be a DH anyway, so he can play a lot longer with the Angels. Yeah, and and the other thing about it too is that at the end of uh, though, I do have to admit, I do feel really bad for St. Louis fans. I I thought about that once I heard that yeah. news. It it that's devastating. It's devastating to their roster. I mean, that's like LeBron winning a championship here and saying I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, for more money, like. But, I mean, you do what you got to do. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for us on this edition of Cup of Joel. Uh, we want to thank Jackson Wallach and David Barris for joining us thank this you week. Thank for having me. We'll have, uh, we'll have more stuff next week on this weekly podcast. We'll keep you guys posted on that. Keep an eye up on our blog, my blog, cup of Dash joel.blogspot.com. I'm going to change that. I promise. <laughs> it's going to. I'll help you work on getting a domain. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to work with Barrios here. That's why we. That's why we're friends. We're buddies. We're socios, thank as you. we like to say it. Yes, so we're going to be back here next week. We want to thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. God bless. Talk to you later.